Good morning, good morning, Fusion. How are we doing this morning? That is the difference between student camps and young adult camps. Kids would be like, ugh, I was up all night doing things. I don't know how to put this thing up. Is somebody smart here? I said somebody smart. Boom. Boom. It's a cheap, it's a cheap shot, but you set yourself right up for it. Like, why would you do that? Look at Bo doing it. You should have sabotaged me, Bo. You should have only done it like halfway so then it would crash down and I would have been, been embarrassed. That's what you should have done. That's what I would have done to you. There's still time. Come on, somebody. Oh, so good. So good. Hey, let's go to the Lord. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much uh, just for another fantastic day, God, that you've given us breath in our lungs. And uh, I pray today would be a day that we commission and set forth and give to you. Jesus, may you intersect in all of our conversations, in all of our meals, in all the times that we have together. And may we become more and more like you and experience this unexpected truth, this unexpected message, this unexpected grace. We love you. We thank you in Christ. And all God's people said. Amen. So as you can see, I am a physically fit specimen. Okay? Yeah, like this doesn't happen by accident. Okay? You got to work towards this. And, and, and I'm one of those guys who likes to research on how to get in shape. And because uh, I like to get in on the information and then I don't do anything with it. Uh, but like last year, a bunch of my friends were running uh, marathons and uh, 5Ks and all this stuff. We got any runners in the house? Stop bragging. Put your hand down. No one asked you to. Well, hey, run. I judge. You run, I judge. Like, so like these guys are all running and I don't get it. I, I don't understand why people would get up early in the morning and just go running. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, is there a prize at the end? Is there food? I'm motivated by food. Like, what's happening at the end? So uh, in, my, in all my inquisitiveness, I, hello. Oh, were you waving at me? Who are you waving at? Oh. Oh, hey. Sorry to interrupt your time. Oh, hey, they want you to sit with them. Go ahead. It's fine. We'll wait. Yeah, find your people. There it is. Oh, just take your time. Don't worry about it. Are you guys all settled? We're good? Anybody else need to move? I'm easily distracted, obviously. Anyways. Running. I hate running. Yeah, I was doing the research of running, and um, I, I, you know, get on the Google machine, and, and you go, why, why do people run? What's this whole thing about? And I'm a history guy, so I, this history thing came up. You know this, or maybe you don't, but act like you don't if you do. Uh, like, way back in the day, the, the Greek army is in this crazy battle against one of their fiercest foes, and they're outnumbered four to one in this battle. And, and, and the Greeks, after battling for a few weeks, somehow end up victorious, even though they were four to one, outnumbered four men to one in this battle. 
But then they needed to get word back to Athens to tell the uh, residual army that was there in Athens of the victory so that they could be prepared in case the enemy came by sea. So they commissioned one of the soldiers, this guy named Philippides. We'll call him Dippy because I'm sure that's what his friends called him. <laughs> they, they commissioned this guy Dippy and they're like, hey, you need to get word back to Athens about this victory. So Dippy makes this run and they're like, you can't walk. You've got to run there. He makes this run from the city they were in all the way back to Athens. The city was called Marathon. How far do you think it's from Marathon to Athens? 26.2 miles. History. What I love about the story is, uh, this is still to this day a Greek legend. They said that Philippides arrives in the center of Athens, and when he gets to the center of Athens, Philippides cries out, victory, and dies. He screams victory and dies. And as I reflect back on this, I go, this, in a nutshell, is the Christian journey, the journey of those who follow Jesus. Our call, our proclamation, our, 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 our anthem, our commissioning is that we would run this race even as difficult as it may seem, that we would arrive and proclaim Christ's victory and then we die. And it's over on this side of the cross. But what is it that will fuel us? What is it that will strengthen us in that journey? See, I don't believe it's more Bible studies. I don't believe it's more sermons. I don't believe it's more church attendance. I don't believe it's any of those things. Because I don't think that as Philippides was running from Marathon to Athens, he was pulling out scrolls and, 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 and reading anything. I believe Philippides was probably running and he was having a conversation with Zeus or Athena or whoever he was worshiping, asking for strength, asking for conviction, asking for just, just, just enough to get across that line. And friends, in this unexpected message of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus so clearly articulates the necessity to have conversation with the Father. That the linchpin, that what we hinge our strength and our convictions on aren't more gatherings, aren't more scripture, but in fact, prayer. A communication with God the Father. Jesus speaks about this in Matthew chapter 6. Where Jesus is gathered in the midst, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. 
And in verse 5, he says this, And when you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep rambling like pagans, for they, excuse me, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask." This then is how you should pray. This then is how you should pray. And then Jesus goes on to give a model of prayer, what we have deemed the Lord's prayer, where it really should be called the followers' prayer. And when I read those few verses, what sticks out to me is the deeper model that Jesus is giving. This idea that persistence plus patience equals perseverance. Persistence plus patience equals perseverance. This is the key to mastering prayer. Is understanding that I need to persist that I need to have some patience, and in that God will preserve me through that journey, through this race that we call life. But in order to really master that, Jesus goes on to give us a further explanation, a further example, and I'll be quick with you this morning. If you've got something to take notes on your phone, this is probably my most practical message I'll share with you this weekend. This one will be the one that you'll look back in a couple weeks and go, okay, I can do this. The rest will just be my yelling and sweating, okay? This one is like, oh, this is when he talked about something that I can actually do. Jesus gives reference to this in Luke chapter 18, verse 1 through 9. It's going to be up on the screens. He says he's going to give a parable. A parable is a story about one thing that really means something else. A story about one thing that has a deeper and greater meaning. And this one is all about prayer. It reads like this. And he told them, this is his disciples, a parable to effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart that we ought to always pray and not lose heart he said this in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared god nor respected man and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying give me justice against my adversaries for a while he refused but afterward he said to himself though i neither fear god nor respect man yet because this widow keeps bothering me i will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her constant her continual coming and the Lord said, Jesus said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, to his people who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, I will, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on this earth? 
Jesus gives this story about this woman who is persistent, who is patient, but perseveres in her petition. And it is to an unrighteous judge. It is to a man who is not fearing God. It is to a man who doesn't respect others. And he goes, even that man knows how to give justice to the one asking for it. And how much higher, how much more sovereign, how much more loving is the father? But when Jesus returns or when we meet him face to face, will there be anyone that had the kind of faith to persist and raise their petitions to a God who's already promised to answer them? When we approach God in prayer, what will be our, our posture? When we approach God in prayer, what will be our posture. This morning, I want to give you five essentials to master prayer. Five essentials to master prayer. The first one is this, that we would pray through pain. Amen. That we would pray through pain. You see, the hardship of being a widow was magnified a thousand times in the first century world. Women were the lowest class possible in the first century world they were lower than slaves and if you're a woman who was without kin who was without a husband that puts you even lower meaning you were more susceptible to being scammed to being taken advantage of and here this woman at the lowest standard of society speaks to this judge at the highest level of society and demands what is hers demands what belongs to her and doesn't get caught up in her situation in her placement in her position but gets caught up in what rightfully is hers friends first Thessalonians says that we aren't to grieve like those without hope because we know we win on the other side. So when I'm going through a difficult season, I can pray to God, I can petition to God, I can ask God, because I know he's already promised something even greater for me on the other side. Beth Moore says it like this. I don't know if you can tell I love Beth Moore. Come on, somebody. Beth Moore says it like this. The path to peace is paved with knee prints. If you're going through a difficult season and your knees aren't scabbed up and bloody, maybe you haven't really pressed in to the one who's truly in control of that situation. This widow prays through the pain. And sometimes that means there's tears rolling down your face and you don't have the words to explain to the Father, but know that the Father knows your heart. Jesus told us that. So I can just go before him. I can just moan before him. I can just lament before him. But in that pain, he sees you as you are. Number two is you pray with passion. Luke wrote that the widow was willing to wear the judge down. I think she was so passionate about how she approached the judge day in, day out. With zeal, with, with, with excitement. 
She approached him. But oftentimes, when we've got something bigger than a parking spot at Target, we bashfully approach God. Oh, Jesus, I don't know. Hey, it's me again. And can I tell you something? Friends, myself included, oftentimes we let God off the hook. We let God off the hook where he's looking to do something great, but we keep lobbing him softballs. And he's like, is that all you've got? I love the way that Mark Batterson says this. He says, God isn't offended by our biggest dreams, our boldest prayers. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are insulting to God. It's not about this thing or that thing. God, I want to give you something that will move mountains and believe and trust that you will come through. We often let him off the hook. But I say pray passionately to a bigger, to a better God. Number three, pay, pray with patience. Pray with patience. The widow knew her time was coming. She knew her time was coming. Sometimes God says later to a prayer request, but we throw it in. We throw the towel in once we've asked and two days go by and that man doesn't arrive on your doorstep, ladies. Oh God, you ain't got nobody for me. I showed up to Fusion last Sunday. He wasn't there. Too real. <laughs> you, yeah, too soon. But when there's this patience in our prayers, we understand God's timing. Remember, I talked about this last night. God's timing isn't like our timing. God might be preparing. You know, come on, somebody, listen. You may not be ready for what God has in store for you. So in this period of waiting, it's actually a period of cultivating you, a period of growing you, a period of refining you, a period of bringing out the best in you so that when that job comes, when that spouse comes, when that finance comes, when that deeper understanding comes, when that whatever comes, you are prepared to walk in it. Because oftentimes we aren't prepared to walk in the things that God calls us to. And there must be a period to get us there. But in that period, are we patient enough? I remember hearing this story about this guy who loved, anybody remember Johnny Carson? Yeah, some of the young people are like, who's that? Jake has no idea who we're talking about. Somebody tell Jake who Johnny Carson is. He's like Jimmy Fallon, okay, for old people. So... This guy loved Johnny Carson, wanted to go on the Tonight Show, wanted to be, and, and this guy's life dream, which again, this isn't a great life dream to have, but it was his, nevertheless. He wanted to get on the Tonight Show and, you know, and say, and here's Johnny. Like he wanted to do that whole deal. So he wrote letters to Johnny Carson every day. 
every day would write a letter to Johnny Carson. Hey, Johnny, Mr. Carson, I want to be on your show. I, I want to say, and here's Johnny. I want to I do that. That's my life dream. That's my life goal. And he was so persistent in this. And finally, after 800 letters, Johnny decided, okay, this guy seems like a stalker, so I'm going to send him a letter. I'm going to send him a signed autograph of my face, and maybe that'll stop him. And he sends a letter, the guy receives a letter, and, and the guy gets it, and he gets a picture with Johnny Carson, and he starts sending more letters. Hey, the picture's great, but what I really want is to be on the Tonight Show and say, here's Johnny. <laughs> and he continued to write more and more and more letters. And then finally, they're like, all right, Johnny, we're going to invite this guy here. So they invite the guy to the show. And he shows up, and he thinks it's just going to be like a meet and greet and whatever it is, but they bring him into a green room. And, and he's like, okay, I'm just going to get to say, here's Johnny. And lo and behold, he does get to say, here's Johnny. And after he says that, Johnny tells the audience, hey, there's this guy who's been writing letters to me for three years, every day for three years. And he just lived out his life dream and said, here's Johnny. But then you know what Johnny does? He invites him from behind the podium to the seat on the stage. Because this guy was persistent, because he had patience, He received more than he had hoped or imagined. How true is that for us? Wow. If we're patient, isn't God faithful to give us more than we could hope or imagine? Number four, pray with perspective. Pray with perspective. Many of us, instead of praying with perspective, instead of praying through Many of us, instead of praying through our facts, we pray through our feelings. Where we go, God, this is how I feel right now, so I'm going to pray through that. Rather than praying through the facts, that God is in control, that God is sovereign, that God sits on high. And I go, okay, if you're there, God, then I can pray from that perspective. I can pray from the fact that I am a child of God. I can pray from the fact that I am known by you. I can pray from the fact that you have called me into something greater, that you have purposed me and, and promised me into something greater. When I pray through those facts, rather those feelings, Something good happens. Often our primary purpose is that we want to move the hand of God. But God's primary purpose in prayer is for us to be molded into his likeness. That only comes when we adjust our minds to the right perspective. And finally, it's when we pray with precision. Praying with precision. Because listen, sometimes, friends, I don't have the answers. Sometimes I don't have the words. But uh, interestingly enough, in the second half of this book, Jesus and the Apostle Paul, among others, give us the exact words to speak to the Father. Sometimes it's not your words. Sometimes it's opening up the Psalms and praying the words of David. Sometimes it's opening up Ecclesiastes and praying the laments of Saul. Sometimes it's about using what God's already given us to communicate to God what's inside of us, and it's praying with this deep precision. Roughly 12 books in the New Testament end with exhortations, prayers, and proclamations. They're not there just for accident. They're there that we would lean into them. And use them to speak to God what people have been saying to him for 2,000 years. And scripture is littered with his words. Look at these passages. Go ahead and throw them up. Zeph. 
Matthew 28 says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am always with you to the very edge. End of age, I can say, God, surely you are with me till the end of the age. Be on your guard. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous and strong. God, help to make me courageous. Help to make me strong. Guard my heart. Let me stand firm in my faith. Let us not become weary of doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. God, I don't want to give up. I know you've got a harvest that you want to reap in me, through me. So even while I'm weary, I know that I am doing good. And pray in the spirit at all occasions and all kinds of praise and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying all the, for all the Lord's people. God, I'm praying for all of your people in spirit because I know that you've got all types of things that are being thrown at you this morning, Jesus. I know you've got all types of things that are being thrown at you, Jesus. And I want to just say, let me lean in. Let me stand in the gap for my friends, for my families, for those who need more of you. I pray through the scriptures. Go ahead, last one. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Jesus, I want to be thankful for what you have done for me. The, the scriptures are littered with these ways that we can pray with precision. Persistence plus patience equals perseverance. My final application for you is this. Listen, when you don't know what to do, when you don't know how to turn, what, what, what's going to happen next? Just pray. And I'm going to tell you something that's crazy. You don't even got to be a believer to just pray. You don't got to believe in him. I love this about God. You can belong before you believe. And just go ahead and just, just try it. I bet you when Dippy was running those 26 miles, he was like, oh, Jesus, I don't know who you are. You're not here yet, but come on. Like, that's how it is when I run. <laughs> just pray. And like Jesus said, in verse 5, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't go on rambling and bambling and all this stuff. Listen, just, just give you some practical tips, ready, about prayer. Throw these ones up. Just pray. It doesn't have to be long. I hate long prayers. I really do. Like, you tell somebody you go out to eat, and you're like, hey, can you pray over the meal? And they're like, Jehovah Jireh, we come <laughs> to the table of the feast. And we ask that, you, oh, Lord, can I eat my burger? <laughs> they don't have to be long. He knows. They don't need to be eloquent. You ever have an eloquent prayer? Sweet, merciful Jesus, as you sit on your throne, you are the Alpha and the Omega. Lord Almighty, your Shekinah glory has come upon us and fallen on our faces. Let your radiance, Lord Jesus, shine upon us. What on earth are you talking about? I told you my dog is sick. Just pray for the dog. Don't be a repetitive prayer either. Don't be a repetitive prayer. Oh, I, I got another. A repetitive prayer like, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. He knows his name. Get to it. Or uh, this is on, this is not on the slide, but don't be a, a gossiper prayer. You know what gossiper prayers are? Yeah, it's, this happens in small groups. Like everybody's like, mm, mm. if you don't know what a gossiper prayer is, you're that person, right? It's that person in small group who's calling all types of sins out. And Lord Jesus, we come before you and we ask that our brother, 
our brother Chris, who is struggling with the words of the mouth. May you fill him up with goodness so that he will not curse in traffic anymore. You know what I'm saying? Or there's three people praying, and you're like, Lord Jesus, one of the people in this circle is sinning against you. Like, oh, God. And it's not me. Don't be a gossip prayer. Follow promptings. Follow promptings. I love this, man. If the Holy Spirit puts on your heart to pray for somebody, just pray for them. You don't got to, like, think the whole thing through. Oh, gosh, let me write this down in my journal. Let me do a whole. Just pray. Just pray. Write that in. Write that. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them. Like, if somebody comes up to me like, hey, can you pray? I've stopped doing this. This is a pastor thing. Oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then you know what I do? I don't pray for them. I move on with my life. But I go, no, no, I'm just going to stop right here right now. I'm going to pray for him. There's something about following that prompting of the spirit that is so good. And lastly, when you pray for somebody, tell them. It's so cool when there are people that you don't know praying. And then I can be such an encouragement. Because I, I, I can go, Mark, you didn't know this, but man, I've been praying for you. God put on my heart that there's something going. And, I want to, and how encouraging that can be to someone. I believe, guys, when we master these five essentials, when we lean into them, I believe that God will do abundantly more than we could ever hope or ask for as long as we position our hearts correctly before him. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for these words. I pray that you would help us to master these essentials, Lord Jesus, as we approach you with these requests and petitions that you have already said yes to. Jesus, let this practical teaching, let this practical message give us a a blueprint on how to approach you and how to commune with you, how to connect with you. Thank you so much for your love, your grace, and your mercy. In your name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. amen.